This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 477. When I think of being one of the best teachers, it starts with knowing that you yourself are always a student. So if I can, you know, learn from anybody and everybody around me, then that is a great way to kind of just show the level of teacher that I am. And I learn often from white belts and blue belts. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, and I am your host today, David Green. Brandon's actually taking the day off, so he will be joining me later. But for today's show, we've got a gem for you. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Huron Gracie, one of the top jujitsu practitioners and teachers in the entire world that comes from the family that basically invented the sport or combat of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, Huron has been involved in this, obviously, since he was a tiny child and has committed his life to the mastery of both the principles and the execution of jiu-jitsu. And we get to dive into his brain and get a feel for how he approaches the world, what jiu-jitsu has taught him about how to handle conflict as well as confidence and a ton of great things. But before we get into the show, let's hear today's quick tip. Today's quick tip is... Huron and I discuss how important a community is to making progress when things are hard or uncomfortable. A big component why he has been successful with his family teaching jujitsu is that it has a strong community and family component to it. Everything that you go to and start when you're not good at it is hard. That's just a fact. But when you're going through hard things with other people, especially when there are people that make it easier for you, you are way more likely to be successful. Now, Huron has incorporated that philosophy into his family's academies where they teach people. And Bigger Pockets has done the same things. What we have here is actually a community of more than 2 million members. So what I'm getting at don't waste your time and isolate yourself from 2 million other people that are trying to accomplish the same things as you. We should all be learning from each other. Get yourself tapped into the collective knowledge by going to networking events, getting into the forums, using Bigger Pockets networking feature to find people that live near you and reaching out to them to see if they'd like to meet up and talk about real estate. Learn from what other people are doing and share what you are doing. Oftentimes they say that you learn 90% of what you teach. So teaching other people within the BP community where you've had success is sure to make you even better at what you do. Don't ignore the collective or the community and you will find that your success will be ramping up. For those who don't know who Huron is, he is Elio Gracie's grandson and the eldest son of Orion Gracie, being part of the third generation of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu's most illustrious family, the Gracies. A recognizable figure within the Jiu-Jitsu community, Huron Gracie became also a familiar face among mixed martial artists, or MMA fans, after a series of web episodes named The Gracie Breakdown, where Huron and his brother, Henner Gracie, go over techniques utilized in UFC events. If you are in any way interested in combat sports or self-defense or really just any form of analysis, I highly recommend that you follow them on social media and you listen to them break things down. They are clearly 
at the top of their game and really the top of their really area of expertise when it comes to understanding and analyzing why something worked and why it didn't work. They're also, frankly, great communicators. I follow both Huron and his brother, Henner, myself, just to listen to them talk so I can be better when it comes to talking for you guys within this community. Huron is also an instructor at the Gracie Academy and part of the owners of GracieUniversity.com, where you can learn about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from home with your friends if you don't have an academy near you. Now, today's show is freaking awesome, but I do want to let you guys know Huron is not a real estate investing expert. He's not really even a huge real estate investor as he has a couple properties. What we talk about today is the mindset of being successful, particularly within the sport of jujitsu. Now, there's a lot of ways this relates to real estate, and this is one of the reasons that Brandon and I have gotten into it is because the skills that we're building in jujitsu are making us better business owners and better investors. One of the big pieces we talk about is how to have uncomfortable conversations regarding difficult feelings and emotions. We call it emotional Brazilian jiu-jitsu, where Heron talks about why he feels uncomfortable having certain conversations, and he lets that tell him something about himself, what he's hiding, what things happened in his childhood that made him that way, so that he can take more control over having the life that he wants to have. We also talk about how important it is to be the owner of your own success. Man, guys, this is so important. The agents who join my team that do well always walk in here saying, I'm going to be successful and David is a resource to help me. It's the same way with real estate investing. If you make up your mind you're going to be a real estate investor, you will love the resource that Bigger Pockets provide. If you're looking to Bigger Pockets to have the responsibility of getting you into something that you haven't committed to, you're going to be in trouble. So we have a great conversation about how you can take ownership of the results you want. We also talk about the frank, candid conversation about avoiding making difficult decisions because you're coming from a place of lack. Really, when you're unconfident in life or in any decision that you have to make, that lack of confidence or you not feeling good about yourself leaves you open to being controlled by other people or controlled by the overall environment. And that people that face discomfort and get through it develop a confidence that leaves them impervious to making poor decisions based on coming from a place of lack and needing to prove yourself to the world. I really thought that was great. And then by far, today's guest is on par with some of the greats that we've interviewed on the show, but it's definitely a little bit different than our traditional guests. So I loved our conversation. I think you guys are going to love it too. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. It's a simple concept, right? But not necessarily an easy concept. Right now, high interest rates have crushed the real estate market. Prices are falling and properties are available at a discount, which means Fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the Fundrise Flagship Fund's billion-dollar real estate portfolio. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting Fundrise.com pockets. Fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Without further ado, let's bring in Huron. Mr. Huron Gracie, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Podcast. How are you doing this morning? Thank you. I'm feeling good. I, I just did a little bit of jujitsu, so that starts my day off very nicely. I am stoked. So everybody, we have one of, or I guess it depends who you ask. It's probably hard to gauge who is the best and what definition we're using for best. But we have one of the most influential and best teachers and practitioners of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the world with us today, a fascinating person who understands 
mastery, humility, commitment, really everything that goes into being successful at whatever you want to do in life with us. And we are honored to be able to sort of pick your brain and get a feel for what makes you tick here on. So I'm super excited. For those who have not heard of jujitsu or maybe have heard the words but don't understand what people are talking about, could you give us a brief definition of what that means? Yes, I can go into that for sure. But real quick first, when you mentioned being one of the best teachers, um, I, I pride myself on being a, a great teacher and by you know always learning and improving my teaching skills. But I'm also part of a family which consists of so many, so many, so many teachers, as well as there are other people outside my family that teach jujitsu. So one of the best is a good way to put it. And when I think of being one of the best teachers, it starts with knowing that you yourself are always a student. So if I can, you know, learn from anybody and everybody around me, then that is a great way to kind of just show the level of teacher that I am. And I learn often from white belts and blue belts. So as for what jujitsu is, um, jujitsu is a form of self-defense. It's a martial art that from Japan, um, it reached my family in Brazil. And my grandfather, Elu Gracie, and his brother, Carlos Gracie, as well as his other brothers, they were exposed to jiu-jitsu many, many years ago, early 1900s. And my grandfather was a very frail kid, like 14, 13 years old. He was not somebody who was very much into sports. He used to have fainting spells and, you know, sports was not for him. But he, his brother, uh, started learning jiu-jitsu from a Japanese man in Brazil. And then eventually my grandfather started watching and, and learning as well. And it, it really clicked for him, right? Being the small guy that he was, jiu-jitsu clicked for him. It made sense. But it, it clicked partially because he gave himself the freedom and the permission to make small changes, changes in this art. And then as my grandfather really dove into this and started making these small modifications and really making it to work for himself, this very light, weak man, he continues to teach jiu-jitsu throughout Brazil and becomes very recognized in Brazil for it. He would fight other martial artists to prove the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu against others. Of course, started having children, his children. My father grew up in this world as well as my uncle's. And my father came from Brazil in 1979 mm -hmm. to America, right here at Los Angeles, where I am right now, where I live, and started teaching this martial art out of his garage, kind of just hanging out with friends on the front lawn, playing jujitsu. And I was born in 1981. And years after that, 10, 12 years after that, this jujitsu was so, so, it was growing so much out of my father's garage and he's teaching this art of self-defense and it's it's very much based on leverage and timing and patience which so many of the martial arts embody these principles but jujitsu is very unique because it's a very defensive martial art and like i said my father my grandfather fought these challenges around in brazil as well as his brothers and my father and his uncles would fight these challenge matches against other martial artists here in Los Angeles and, and all around. And when they would fight, they would display jujitsu. Now, what does that look like? It's two people who naturally they fight. Two people normally fight at this agreed upon distance. Mm -hmm. 
And this is what we learn about when we watch old movies and we see old martial arts clips. People stand about, you know, one arm's length distance apart and they are just exchanging punches and kicks. But when my father created the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC, in 1993, that really threw the world for like this. It threw a curveball. Everybody all of a sudden said, what? Hold on. This isn't fighting. And why is that? Because jujitsu teaches us to stay outside of the striking range. We call it a green zone. And then you want to pass through the red zone, which is the striking range where someone can hit you. You can also hit them, but they can hit you. And you want to move into the next green zone, which is where you can actually grab a hold of the person's body, potentially off balance them, take them to the ground. And now you've pretty much taken the fight into like a whole new world. And when the fight is taken to the ground, all of a sudden you have someone who doesn't understand anything about anything. They, they've never, they never lay down other than to go to sleep. And now we've put them on the ground and it's the art of managing distance, of controlling this person, of staying very close, allowing them to exhaust their energy while they're trying to punch you and headlock you and who knows, eye gouge, whatever it may be. And we're surviving and we're surviving. So jiu-jitsu is an art of survival, taking the person away from their element where they can get lucky when they're standing up, bring them to the ground. As they burn energy, they essentially defeat themselves. And this is what happened in UFC number one, number two, these early UFC fights. That's the curveball that was thrown to the world. People watching, they said, wow, how is this jiu-jitsu representative and at the time it was hoist my father's younger brother my uncle who would take these guys to the ground and then two minutes later 12 minutes 15 minutes later he would be submitting them so very much you know shocked the world that that's not how fighting goes down but now here we are years later and everybody now agrees that how a fight ends up going that there are no rules to how a fight may end up it may end up on the ground in an armbar it may end up standing it may end up you know against the car getting put, your head punched into a car door who knows but it can for sure end up on the ground yeah i would probably say in my experience in law enforcement um, almost every single one ended up on the ground and that was with us not wanting it to be on the ground and it's still whether it's from fatigue or just the the mix and tumble of how everything goes and when, you know, the UFC was new, your uncle was showing people there's actually a way to fight on the ground that nobody else had practiced. And here, I mean, there's several things that I really, really like about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and its genesis, why it was created that really applies to people who want to build wealth. The, the first would be your grandfather was, as you said, more of a frail, weak person. He was not going to win at somebody else's game. He did not have the same opportunity and skills that those people had. Many people in America are in the same position where they are not born into a wealthy family. They are not born into an area that has a lot of opportunity. They don't have the same ways to win at the game the way that most of corporate America works. And rather than just saying, well, I guess I'll never be athletic or I'll never fight. He took what was available and he tweaked it to make it work for him. That's like you said, that's when leverage became a bigger thing. Energy efficiency became a bigger thing because he wasn't going to overpower the other person and sort of cheat his way through what was going on, which to be frank is always a temptation. That's always the easier road. I'm a bigger guy. When I go roll, I'm always fighting myself, wanting to just throw them all over the place. Um, and so it forced him to be disciplined. And then out of that was born this 
better technique. I mean, there's no way around it. Big people can use it too, and it's better than the way that they were doing it before. And this is really what became Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So the first piece I love about your family story was that it was born from a place of maybe lack, where they were coming. He was coming from behind what his brothers were able to do, and he didn't let that have him quit. And then um, what you saw when the UFC started was someone who was smaller than everybody else, and not competing the same way they were, just slicing through everybody. There was no one that was able to beat Trunkel Hoist. And, and everyone was just scratching their heads. What the hell is, how is that happening? Because he understood a, a way that of combat that they didn't understand. It was this, people had been doing like what you said, standing there and trading blows forever. And whoever traded the better blow was the one who won. And that makes me think of the people who think, all right, go to school, go to college, get a corporate job, work your corporate job, get into the corporate world, exchange blows with the person in the cubicle next to you, try to do better, build up your 401k, and then someday retire at 60 years old. And and then you can finally enjoy life. And what your family did was said, no, we're not going to stand here and get punched in the head and hope we can punch you in the head more, which is very close to what we see happening with real estate. People can build wealth through real estate that isn't the traditional way. Have you noticed something similar with the mindset you've developed from studying jujitsu and then how that yeah. has you interact with the, you know, the corporate world or, or wealth building? Well, what I'm thinking right now, as you just said this real quick, is that, you know, my family didn't quite have a choice in the matter. It's not like my uncles or my grandfather said, yeah, you know what? We're not going to go the route that everybody's been going, which is to just to, you know, punch people in the head and, you know, rely strictly on our hands. We're going to go this route of technique and, you know, efficiency and taking the fight to the ground. They, that's all they ever knew. That's all my, now, of course, my grandfather being a very frail man, it caused him to be resourceful and to figure out a way to build his confidence through the martial arts. But people today, the, the person, my uncle Hoist, for example, when he fought in the UFC in the early 90s, he's not very impressive. He's impressive because he's doing impressive technique and impressive jujitsu. But the person that is most impressive is the person that's been studying striking for 14 years since they're 14 years old 15 years old and now they're close to 30 and they say you know what i'm 30 years old i'm gonna change i'm gonna do something different and i'm gonna start learning how to fight how to take the fight to the ground how to manage distance the way this art of jujitsu is teaching us and that's the difficult jump to make so now when you're talking about people in the real estate world who are, you know, peop, some people out there have proven that there are ways to approach real estate that might be, let's just say, a little different from what was traditionally accepted. And I'm not a real estate specialist by any means, but when you see, for example, if I see you, David, doing something that is working very well for you, it's easy for me to look at that and say, man, but I've never done that before. I've never done that art, so I'm not going to do it because that's not what I know. What I know is this art. I know the art of, who knows, uh, mm -hmm. of boxing. You're doing jujitsu over there with how you're doing real estate, for example. So the very courageous person is the one that jumps and says, you know what? That's not what I do, but I'm going to try that. I'm going to jump into that pool and I'm going to explore that. Now, what allows someone 
to go and do that, that's, now I'm a little bit biased, I feel like what allows someone to go and do something outside of what they would normally do or outside of what feels safe or what people are suggesting or what your family is suggesting is your belief that you're going to be okay, that it's going to work out, that you're going to be okay, that you've experienced difficult moments in the past and you've made it through those difficult moments. And this is just another one of those that's right in front of you. That's so good. Because I think that's how most of us make decisions in life is we look back at what we've done before and we built confidence by going through something tough and realizing that even though it didn't feel good in the moment, there was sort of a faith that it that's forced to be developed when you get through that initial, this is really hard, and then you start to see the results come on the other side. And I think jujitsu is, I mean... To be frank, it's it's becoming so popular and so talked about, it's very close to just turning into a meme that everyone can use jujitsu to relate to everything. So I try to be careful not to use it too much. It's one of those things like CrossFit where people that yeah. do CrossFit, just they talk about CrossFit when you're not even asking, right? <laughs> but there's a reason why it's so relatable because there's this this scale that you see. You, you first go and you think you're better than you are and you quickly learn you're not that good. Then you go through the process. Am I going to quit because I I got my ego checked really hard or am I going to continue? And then as you continue, you realize I don't have enough cardio to even keep up with this. And then your cardio builds and you're like, man, my I don't practice this enough for my techniques. It just sucks all the time until everything clicks. And that is exactly what it's like when you get into the entrepreneurial word world or the real estate world. People know how to win in the corporate world. They, Even though it may not be effective and they don't love their life, they don't love working 50, 60 hours a week, sitting in commute traffic, in a cubicle, getting taxed really bad because they're in a W-2 world, fighting their way to the top of something and it's not always worth the effort, but that's what they know. They they practice boxing, they, cra- they practice kung fu. And I think I see where you're getting at. You're hitting it right on the head. It's those people that are willing to let go and have faith if they go try something different that actually end up winning in life. And it, it's so scary to try something different because what if it fails? And then you have to ask the question, well, even scarier than what if it fails is everybody talks about, which is almost kind of, you know, another meme, which is imagine living a life that you don't do that which you want to do. Like you have something that you've always thought about doing. I've always thought about doing this one thing. And then before you know it, you're 40, then you're 60, then you're 90, and then you're dead. And you never did what you've always thought about doing, what you, you know, it was, if something was pulling you in that direction and you don't do it. And this happens for, I imagine, in the world of real estate, in terms of someone making an investment here or there, I want to own X, Y, and Z properties and have these investment properties. But if I do that, then I have to do this or there might be the risk of this and you don't do it. And people, how many times have people, people have come into this building and I ask them, hey, how'd you hear about us? And they say, I've been driving by for 11 years. Now, I'm so glad that after 11 years at 57 years old, they walked in the building. But it's kind of the same for anything in life. You could be thinking about doing something for 11 years or for one year or for two months or for 25 years or you can never do it. So when, when are you going to actually pull the trigger and do something? And, and that is a very powerful skill to have in life to pull the trigger. And I also need to work on it. So I'm glad we're having this discussion right now. Yeah, that's really why I was so stoked about getting you on the show because 
I mean, there's many reasons and probably more that we could ever talk about in our hour here. But you watch the people who come in and everyone, for the most part, I'm sure feels the same. They're nervous. They're scared. They don't want you to see that they're scared. You know, they're afraid of getting beat up. My thing was I'm afraid of just not being able to keep up with like the pace of this. Like the first couple of times I did it to go for three minutes, it's almost like, okay, I just can't breathe anymore. This isn't any good. And so that's no man ever likes feeling like they are so tired that they can't be competing. So there's fear associated with all of it. But you watch the people who stick with it and then actually go on to be successful. And it and it doesn't I don't want to say becomes easy, but it definitely becomes easier and you yeah. have more tools that then become available to you as you learn the rhythm of the way to do this, you know? So yeah, this, this goes back to being a good teacher. I'm, I'm wondering now because some people don't want to walk in here because they're afraid of embarrassment. They're afraid of not being enough. They're afraid of failing, of getting injured. They have this idea of how manly they are. They don't want to be humbled so there are many fears, you are right, when walking into a building, a martial arts school like ours. And the teacher can do a lot. The teacher or the guide can do a lot in helping so that the moment someone walks in the door or the moment somebody picks up the phone and calls and says, hey, I think I want to try jujitsu," how you speak to that person will make all the difference in whether or not they continue to move towards the mat or they start creating excuses as to why they can't do it. So, and in terms of real estate investment, which I can't wait to learn more about real estate investment from you guys. Cause that's, is that the- Yeah, that's basically what we do. We're, there you go. We're the, the real estate to your BJJ. So there you go. So I need to learn real estate investment. Now the question is, naturally when I think about it, I, you know, I have one investment property right now as it is. Now, mm -hmm. I would like to have 10 more, let's say, or three more. Do I want 400? No, I don't want 400. I don't need 400. Mm -hmm. Okay, but mm -hmm. I think it's cool to have five, 10, you know, investment properties. It's great. Now, when I say, hey, David, I want this. And everybody who I imagine dives into that world connects with somebody. How that person walks them through it can really make all the difference as to how safe they feel going through the process and how and how safe they feel has so much to do with how much they understand what it is they're getting involved with because there's nothing more stressful than being in a position where you don't quite understand what's happening to you which brings us again back to the martial arts because when you practice jujitsu you land in a position and you're like, wow, I've never been here before and I don't have any tools for this. Mm -hmm. But then you stop and you say, you know what? I don't have any tools for this, but I know that the information is out there that I can very quickly equip myself with the information so that I have an understanding of how to treat this situation. So I can land in a situation with you in terms of real estate uh, investment in eight months and I'm feeling nervous and I'm afraid and I'm sweating. And that's because, again, I'm I'm having I'm almost like I'm worried. I'm, I'm thinking futuristic, like what this could mean, mm -hmm. even though things are OK right now. Present moment, everything is OK. But the fact that m my property might 
you know, I might lose the property or the value might be lost or the bad things that can happen around real estate mm-hmm. investment. Their possibility gets me stressed out, which therefore keeps me from talking to you, my guide and saying, hey, what's the deal right here? This is happening. I'm feeling this. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, of course you're feeling that. It makes perfect sense. It's so common. I felt that many times. This happens all the time. It makes sense to keep feeling that. But when you're ready, I'll break it down for you as to why this is all going to work out just fine. And the emotional experience that I've found both with jujitsu and when I was a new real estate investor are almost identical. So when before you buy your first property, mm-hmm. you're worried about things like, what do I do when the toilet breaks at two o'clock in the morning and the tenant calls me? How do I collect my rent? How do I find out what rent I should charge? There's all these questions that seem insurmountable and they make you feel helpless. And so that stops most people from going forward. Now, for the person in my position who's done this for a while, I know that that mountain that you think you're looking at is less than a molehill. Like you could Google that question. There's it, The answer is always so, so simple, especially once you understand the principles of what managing an asset is like. And then when I'm rolling in jujitsu and I find myself in a position, just like you said, that isn't one of like the common, in my mind, there's like four or five positions. You got mount, side control, guard, you know, having someone on your back. Like, But then there's these weird things that kind of end up that I don't really know how you classify it. And you're exactly right. You don't have a tool and it immediately just feels helpless and horrible. And if that was the feeling that I stayed in the whole time, I would never keep going. And so then you ask somebody, what do you do when this happens? And they show you and you go, oh, my, that's actually not that complicated, right? Like, I probably could have thought about that. Yeah. So then I get empowered and I'm like, man, I want to do more of it. And it's exactly what real estate is like. You have these ideas in your head that it's going to be so hard. And then someone tells you what you do and you go, oh. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. Have, have you found similar experiences with, with training people? A hundred percent. That's the line of all lines. I could have thought of that. <laughs> or uh, you're almost embarrassed at how simple the solution is. And and this this goes, of course, I've heard it so many times with teaching people jujitsu. And I, I love seeing the light go off. I love seeing people say, oh, of course. And you know what's interesting is that Over time, the student who asks questions, they ask 10, 50, 100 questions, they start to realize the formula that I'm using to answer questions. They Mm -hmm. look at the pool of of techniques and principles and, and mindsets that I'm pulling from to create the answer for their situation. Oftentimes, I, I have never even been asked the question or I've never even been in that situation. But because I have so much experience, I trust in my ability to pull from everything that I know and present something that will help that student in that moment. So it, this goes, this, this and this is, this is obviously my specialty is it's combat, it's hand-to-hand combat, it's fighting. But I imagine this to be true even for somebody who is, let's just say a, a, a rock climber, a professional rock climber. It's probably very rare that they get to a situation that they don't quite have a path to take or a way to get around a certain part of the mountain. They're always going to get to the top. And or the same goes for back to real estate investment. Mm -hmm. There is a problem 
And in the beginning, you're going to need help. You're going to need help. You're going to need help. But I imagine that after you have been helped a fair amount of times, you get to a point where you say, you know what? No, I don't need help. I have all of the answers. I have the solutions within me. You take a moment and you figure it out. And maybe your solution will only be, maybe what this person comes up with is only 70% of what another extremely successful person would have done. But it doesn't matter. It's still, in, they're still becoming empowered and they're still growing in their ability to improvise and to create and to problem solve. And, and that in itself, it's probably more valuable that there has to be a point in your life where you say, stop, I'm going to stop going outside for the answers and I'm going to look in here. And when that happens in anything that you do, that's when you're going to, the sky's the limit. That's beautiful. That's exactly what happens is in the beginning, you think someone else has the answers and I need to get it from them. There's some external source where I can go get answers from. And that is the frame that you look at the problem through. And then at a certain point, you get enough experience that something switches and you realize probably the number of positions that two human bodies can end up when they're rolling in the ground is infinite. There is no way that there could be a, the same answer for every solution. So what it comes down to is a principle. Okay, if I understand the principle, then my mind will give me the solution that I need. Now, there's also a, a matter of like, you know, here and you are going to come up with that solution much faster than somebody who's done this for a couple mm -hmm. years. They're going to need some more time to process it. But it is coming down to principles. And that's what I found. It's like getting into jujitsu. I'm sure there's a point it becomes addicting. This is all that people want to do. And it's so much fun. And they're like depressed if they can't do it, which is about as opposite as it is in the beginning where it's terrifying and you want nothing to do with it, but it's the mm -hmm. same thing. Real estate is exactly the same journey. It's scary, 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 scary. Yeah. Oh, this isn't so bad. Oh my God, I love it. It's all I want to do. It's all I want to talk about. That's just human beings. That is a clear example of how we are uncomfortable in the unfamiliar. That's it. So we have to make a choice when something is scary or something is unfamiliar. You have a choice. You can say, no, I'm going to stay right here or I'm going to jump in the uncomfortable. Hmm. I'm going to step, I'm going to step towards the unfamiliar and I'm going to familiarize myself. And then all of a sudden there are people. And in some ways I attempt to do this, but there are people who I imagine seek uncomfortable, unfamiliar, uncertainty. That almost becomes, that becomes their way. That becomes their, their thing. And I, I do it on a very surface level, like, for example, very cold water. If, if water is 50 degrees or 48 degrees and we go on a hike somewhere and there's a freezing lake, ice around the lake, I'll jump in the lake. And I do that because my mind says, don't do it. Mm -hmm. My mind says, oh my gosh, it's so cold. And my three friends are saying, don't do it. It's freezing. They touch it and they say it's cold. So because many people say no, I have this draw inside of me to say, if, if everyone's saying don't do it, I want to go and do it, which can be dangerous at times. But in most cases, it's very, very enjoyable and it's very empowering. What I'm hearing you say is that you value making yourself do things that 
that are not comfortable and that other people would say, don't do it, even if there's not a good reason to. Do you think that desire was born of being a, a young kid in this family of the, the crown kings of, of jujitsu in the world? And you probably didn't have much choice whether you're going to class or whether you're going to do this hard stuff. And getting through that, you realize how how glad you are you didn't quit. Yes. Um, yeah, this idea of stepping into the uncomfortable. I, I grew up, obviously, my grandfather, Elu Gracie, and my father, always just telling stories about these impossible feats. For example, my grandfather, you know, fought a fight that was no time limit, and it went three hours and 40 minutes. So when I'm hearing this story as a young child, him going for three hours and 40 minutes, and my father explaining how someone doesn't even sit in a chair for three hours and 40 minutes, a three hour and 40 minute podcast, you'll start having back pain. You won't do it. You'll stop at three hours. It's very difficult. So when I hear these stories, I'm like, wow, I I had this appreciation for the, the heart and the just the commitment that it took for my grandfather to fight for three hours and 40 minutes or to fight somebody who outweighs him by 80, 90 pounds. And many Gracie family members have fought people who were much bigger, heavier, and stronger. They see somebody 100 pounds heavier, I'll fight him. It's not a problem. And so there it is. So now on a small scale, because I have never fought MMA. I've never fought professionally in an arena. I fought a few times in the world of like people challenging me in a safe environment of this building. Like someone, I'm going to fight you, a karate representative, which those were great experiences. But so no doubt that a part of me enjoys these challenges and these difficult feats. Um, Growing up as a child, jujitsu was everything. Every every day we're going to jujitsu, maybe three, four days a week. We had our normal kids classes and I resisted it a lot. I didn't want to go. I was like, no, I didn't want to go because at that young age, I was comparing myself to other kids and I would not necessarily be the best in the room sometimes. And I had this expectation that I needed to be the best because my family was a bunch of warriors and fighters. So I needed to show that I was worthy of being in this family. And then so I would stay home and I would be in my room for the whole two hours that the class would happen. I would have to be in my room with no electronics, like nothing, a G.I. Joe at 14 years old or 12 years old, just sitting in my room. So, and then eventually at 16, 17, it hit. And I started getting very heavy into jujitsu and teaching a lot more. But going back to what you mentioned about, I'm so grateful as to how I was semi-forced to do Mm jujitsu. And today, the fact that I, I feel... And this brings me to something that my grandfather always said. He said, Hidon, there are three powers in the universe. In, in, in terms of, and I, I wouldn't say the universe, I would say just in the world, because the universe, there are more powers behind us we could ever imagine. But the power that exists in the world, there's the power of money, the power of the media, and the physical power. So if you have all the money in the world, you're very powerful. If you have the media in your corner, if you own Viacom or, mm-hmm. or whatever very media, very powerful, very influential. And if you have the physical means to overcome and overpower anybody and out and de- 
defeat anybody and to fight someone and to win the fight, that in itself has a power. And, and even to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Someone could be worth 700, you know, $10 billion. But he, at the same time, doesn't have the confidence if he's in a parking lot and someone spits on him and says, hey, give me your car keys. All of a sudden, his world is crumbling inside. So the power, the, the currency that I have from knowing that I can defend myself in a physical situation, that I have the confidence to communicate to somebody in a, in a very de-escalatory manner. If I'm verbally attacked, I have the confidence to speak to somebody and to kind of verbally de-escalate the situation. And if anything happens, if they happen to cross the line, I can defend myself. That confidence allows me to step out into the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for doing something very kind of scary or challenging. If if I am, if somebody says, he don't, hey, you know, try this and I try it and I fail and I look like a fool. It's okay because I failed at that. But there's a certain, there's a confidence that exists inside of me that is still right there. It's in my corner. Now, let me tell you this, that confidence of being able to defend yourself comes even second to the confidence and the belief that you, just you alone, even without the martial arts, you are a very, very special, powerful, amazing human being. And you, David, and myself, I am no more special than you are on this planet. We're all here just playing the game of life. And it's easy for me to sometimes think that because I'm a black belt and because, you know, I can beat you up, that I'm, I'm greater than you. But it's not the case. That's my ego. And that's my insecurity reminding myself or trying to tell myself that I'm better than others, than many, than most. So, but going back to the confidence that I can defend myself helps in so many areas to the point where I've been offered marijuana. I've been offered drugs. And, or alcohol. And I don't drink alcohol. If you drink alcohol, that's great. We can still be friends. You're amazing. It's just not for me. So when somebody offers me a beer and I say, oh, no, thank you. There is no pressure. When somebody offers me a cupcake and I say, no, thanks. I don't want to eat a random cupcake. I don't feel guilty for saying no to somebody. So this confidence that was almost drilled into me mm-hmm. by way of me learning how to fight and defend myself is priceless and today, the main, the big balance for me today is to just really keep in mind that we're all equal in, on the, in the eyes of the universe. We're all equal. We're all amazing people. Obviously, some have more influence than others in the world. Some might help more people than others. Some might have a charity that helps, you know, 10,000 people, gives food and here and there. But Really, when I look at a human being today, is a feeling of almost like you're my brother, you're my sister, we're on the same team, even though I have no idea who you are, and I'm just living and enjoying my life. So back to the challenges, back to the difficult times. Do you feel you yourself? Are you someone that embraces difficulty and challenge and struggle? I think I avoid it when my environment is soft and easy 
And I think when my environment becomes harsh, I all of a sudden value that edge that you get from. And that's something about myself I don't like that I can't just stick to that principle the same all the time. So like when I was in law enforcement and I worked in the jails, we would have violent inmates that would come in there. And you, I had like an experience with somebody who trained and I did not train, but I was bigger than them as I just thought that's all it would take. And I couldn't control them and they were controlling me until someone got there. And it was a horrible feeling. All I could think about was I, I, what if people weren't coming? And so that lit this fire in me that I was working out every day before I went in there and I'm watching videos. And I remember that like in the Academy, we were doing a, a, it's called sustained resistance, which is basically like the worst 20 minutes of your entire life where they just gas you out as much as they can. They make you fight forever. And the person did something where, you know, I was on top of them simulating punches and they threw their leg over my head. And I was like, are you an idiot? Like, what are you doing? You know? And then the next thing I know, my arms locked and I was like, I didn't even know that was bad that someone could put their leg over. What else don't I know? And that, that lit this thing where I was waking up every day and running and working out and, and studying the defensive tactics because my environment made it valuable for me to do that. Yeah. And I got away from it and I got into a world where I'm leading people and I'm, I'm selling real estate and I'm a business person. And so I stopped valuing that other type of, of thing. Yeah, it's almost we I've heard that, you know, it takes a, a nightmare for someone to wake up. Mm. That's so That's good. <laughs> something's got to happen, you know, and, and I've seen many cases of this, right? Someone who I know who knows someone, their, their mother, you know, gets cancer. And now the whole family's eating vegetables and juicing. It changes <laughs> right, the whole right, family. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I guess that's part of life. Things happen and we gather information from an experience and we say, okay, now that we know mm -hmm. this is possible, how can we, you know, go forward from here? What do we want to equip ourselves with? And in many cases, jujitsu is something self-defense, self-confidence, the ability to defend yourself and your family is something that comes into people's minds quite often because we live in a wild world where people are saying and doing things that make no sense. And there is a lot of collateral damage, right? It, it's some, they're the most random acts of violence, especially today with the social media. People are seeing just crazy things. So I can imagine, and, I, and we are seeing it more than ever, that people are making step steps towards working on themselves in terms of their physical um, safety. And e even mm -hmm. it's also psychological, emotional, your ability to defend yourself physically spills over into other areas of your, of your life. And I guess real estate investment or investments of any sort is another way of taking care of yourself because you never know what the world's going to throw at you. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we don't know what's going to happen. So what can we do to create a certain comfort around ourselves so that we can enjoy lives and maybe having a couple investments, whether that's in real estate or whether it's in stocks, who knows? But the point is that investing somewhere and having some kind of a cushion in terms of money, I, I think most people would agree is necessary. Now, do they have the confidence to step out and do it or the knowledge or the path? We don't know. And that's for people like yourself to educate the world on that. And the same goes for learning self-defense. And now, no matter where you are or who you are, like we, we have a huge platform for teaching 
jujitsu online. It's gracieuniversity.com. And we've gotten a lot of heat from people saying, yeah, you shouldn't be teaching the martial arts online. And the reason why is because it's never been done before. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, there was no, on- when did the internet even start? People weren't teaching online 40 years ago. You had to travel from who knows where to who knows where to learn from the master. But now we're teaching online. And mm-hmm. is it replacing in-person classes? No. But when you have thousands and thousands of people who don't have a school near them, but at the same time, they do have two or three friends that they can meet with in the garage. Why not have an online class that is laid out for you literally, uh, literally the most introductory level technique all the way to the most advanced with Everything kind of thought out, protecting the students, helping them work together and build each other. So it's we're in a time right now where, if you ask me, it's about better understanding yourself. But at the same time, it's also creating a, cert, a, a certain um, protection around yourself, which, like I just said, financial, physical, relational it's good to have friends and family around you people that you Mm -hmm. care and love to have those people nearby that's as important as having money to eat is having friends and family and loved ones around you you know to be candid i think part of the reason that you and i are both very passionate about the things that we teach is that like for instance i've seen somebody can come spit in your face talk trash disrespect you poke you in the chest with their finger most human beings would be controlled by that person. They would match the energy that they're being given and they would get pulled into what that other person wanted, which was a way to, you know, vent whatever anger they're having, feel more powerful about themselves by getting into a fight and hopefully winning. But the person who ends up in the situation being poked in the chest doesn't, they weren't looking for a fight that day. They got pulled into a fight and someone like you, that just isn't going to happen. You're not going to fight unless you decide that that's the best bet. You're not going to be taken advantage of. And I notice with wealth building, I am it would be almost impossible for someone to pull me into some scam. One of those like pyramid scheme type mm-hmm. of situations because I know the the principles of wealth building. I know what works and what doesn't work. I know what a good decision looks like versus a bad. So immediately I I spot that there's no way that would work and this is ridiculous and I know the motivation of the person doing it. So I'm safe. I don't have to go get into these bad business deals and figure out the hard way just like you wouldn't have to get into a fight. And that's one of the reasons I really encourage people to to get out of their comfort zone and get into this world because you here on walking around in a bad neighborhood are way more comfortable than someone who isn't familiar with this that doesn't know. It's kind of like you ever meet someone that grew up never around dogs. Yeah, And they can't tell when the dog is actually happy or mad. They're just yes. scared of all dogs, right? And when you're familiar with dogs, you're like, what? it's wagging its tail and it's licking your leg. What are you worried about? But they can't really see the difference. Is that something that you've noticed as well? Well, it's the comfort, right? Yes. You are comfortable in your business that you exist in right now. So when someone comes with a, a deal that's kind of a little bit shady, you don't mm-hmm. jump on it because you're not... There's not this void inside of you, this discomfort, and also this um, feeling of not enoughness. Yes. And this, maybe maybe there's not the financial struggle where somebody else- I'm not as tempted to make that bad decision because I'm not in a place of lack. 
There you go. Somebody now, same goes for a, a street fight. Someone goes in everyday life. If if we are, if I'm in the street and I see someone who is uh, I'm, it, just a random person gets their chest poked mm-hmm. and says, hey, you're an idiot. Get out of here. And you see someone's chest get poked. If that person doesn't feel like they are enough, doesn't feel in their own skin, you know what, man, I'm a little bit overweight. I don't have, you know, the living mm-hmm. situation that I want to have. I don't, I just lost my girlfriend, whatever it may be. I'm not feeling enough. Then that's an opportunity for them to show that they're enough. Yes. Now, the part of them that's going to want to show that they're enough is the part of them that we don't even really want to come out and to speak because they're going to show that they're enough by saying, hey, you don't talk to me like that. Get out of my face and yelling back. And they're going to try to be big and be more and be powerful. Mm-hmm. So those that are not powerful, those that feel like you said that lack and they have that insecurity, they want to flex. Now, that is that is one path someone can take or they can take the path of kind of cowering Mm. and then going home and oh my gosh and they call their friend Mm. i can't believe someone said this to me ah oh my gosh and they tell 10 friends over the next hour of how someone poked their chest and called them an idiot and they have a hard time eating and they have an upset stomach but they didn't say anything to the person yep that just makes the lack worse Correct. So either A, you overcompensate or B, you basically put yourself in a hole and you yep. you cower. So when you have jujitsu or when you have the comfort and the knowledge that you have in terms of your business dealings, when I have jujitsu, this hasn't happened to, it's happened to me a few times, but I've been pushed my chest. The guy pushes my chest and says, hey, F you, man, get out of my face in a, in a, in a party in like in a, in a, in a restaurant kind of bar area. Mm-hmm. And my immediate response is, Hey, Hey man, I'm so sorry for inconveniencing you, but not from a place of fear from a place of, wow, this person right here, they're trying to, they're going through something and it's from a place almost of peace. And I have my hands in somewhat of a, a ready position. I'm talking with my hands up. And if at any moment they want to punch me, it's okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to dance. And if my words of saying, hey, I apologize. Sorry for inconveniencing you. I'm going to move out of the way. And man, enjoy your day. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have been standing here. And I move away and it ends it. That's great. It can end b- both ways. No problem. But the point is, it's true. I will not get pulled in mm-hmm. to... This battle, especially in the physical, in the verbal, the verbal is huge. How often are people verbally disrespected? I can't remember the last time I was verbally disrespected. But if you ask somebody, they would say, yep, that person just verbally disrespected Hiron. So I did not feel disrespected because I allow myself to kind of almost go to a different frequency of that Mm -hmm. person. 
mm-hmm. and I accept and I I accept, I acknowledge and I accept that they're having a hard time. There's pain right there and they're throwing the pain in my direction. And I don't want sometimes it can be someone that I know. It can be a loved one, it can be mm-hmm. a friend, family. So I don't want to completely ignore it, but I want to be careful not to be too caught up into it. Because that's not going to be helping anybody. Yeah, it just amplifies that combative energy when you go throw the same thing back. And it's, yes. it's very difficult, I found, for anyone to fight when they're not mad. I mean, you got to be trained to be able to fight when you're not angry. You could. You do it all the time. That's the thing, though, now. You have to ask. The, when I think about jujitsu, the idea of fighting when you're not mad. If someone puts their finger in my chest and says, yeah, man, get out of my face. And then he throws a punch and I cover myself and I tackle him to the ground. And now I'm controlling him on the ground. Am I fighting him? No, I mean, depends how you define fighting, but it doesn't sound like it. He hasn't been hurt. There you go. He hasn't been hurt. That's a good way to define fighting. People are not hurting each mm-hmm. other. He's trying to hurt me. So he may right. be fighting me. He's fighting, but you're not fighting. him. Yes, yet. but I'm not fighting. Okay. And this goes the same for, you know, I always tell this funny story that if if you, for example, let's say you're in a restaurant and you see me fighting a 70-year-old lady who's in the restaurant who happened to, you know, I stepped on her foot as I walked by her booth Uh and she yelled at me. And when she started, she had my face and put her finger in my face. And let's just say that I needed to take her down to the ground. And I control this 75-year-old, 80-year-old woman on the ground. If you see that happening, you don't even have to call the police. You don't have to call the manager. You don't have to take a picture, video, get up. You don't have to do anything. You can just keep enjoying your meal because she is in very, very good hands. I'm not fighting her. And this, this is exactly why. Jiu-Jitsu is one of the most beautiful and most powerful martial arts in the world because we can defend ourselves and the person that we happen to get into a verbal or even worse, a physical altercation with. Mm -hmm. You need to have, are you married? No. You're not married. But when you get married or if you have a girlfriend... Or your part, whenever, if you get into a relationship and you, and if I start fighting your partner, your loved one, you can just chill out and say, oh, it's okay. It's, he don't fighting my partner. It's no problem because I'm not going to do anything beyond what's necessary and what's necessary against a situation of an unskilled person is so, so little. And isn't that what life's all about, right? It's just doing what's necessary. Figure Mm -hmm. out how little you need to do to solve any given situation and do it. And when it comes to fighting, when somebody throws a punch at me, I need to do so little to avoid the punch and keep from being punched with follow striking attempts Mm -hmm. and just control the person. And then after two and a half minutes, I can say, hey, here we are. Is everything okay? I can see you're having a hard day. I can see I made you angry. And I'm ready to get up and get out of here and be done with this. Can I let go of you? Can we go home? Right. And when they say yes, it's a wrap. 
So I think that's what I was getting at. You can bring somebody's energy down to where they don't even want to fight because they're not angry anymore. And what I really want people to take out of why we're interviewing you specifically about this mindset is not everybody listening is worried about getting in a fight. Maybe they live in a world where it just doesn't happen often. Now, I would tell you, you may have lived in that world a long time. That doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Huron and, mm-hmm. and your brother Henry just put a really good video on their Instagram about a person who got into a tra- traffic collision, a small one with somebody, and that person just brought the fight to them. They didn't really get a chance not to fight. But even if that isn't what you're worried about, when you're in a place of lack, you are easily controlled by outside forces. Okay, If you feel like you're not strong enough, someone can talk you into a fight. When you are not confident with your own financial situation you are vulnerable to scams you're also you can like here on you mentioned the whole i can puff my chest and want to prove that i'm tougher than you that's the person who wants to drive a car nicer than what they can afford Mm -hmm. and wear a watch nicer than what they can afford because they need to let the world know i'm a somebody and then there's people that take the other path and what they say are things like well money doesn't matter to me So I'm going to live in my mom's basement and I'm going to make my own soap and I'm going to work at Starbucks because it's not challenging me in any way. And I'm that's the cowering person. Neither of those people are happy. It's it's both a response to a place of lack because you don't have the confidence that you can provide the life that you want for yourself, whether that's through real estate or anything else. And that's what I really want people to hear. It's when you avoid the challenge of the of the difficult situation, like the person walking into the academy that's scared and they just leave. You're not really controlling your life at that point. You're driving a car and you're wearing clothes to impress other people or you're hiding from the world and trying to prove to them that you don't need to play by their rules as as you are living broke all the time eating top ramen uh, because of that place of lack. That it, that the way out of it is you have to answer the difficult call and you know here and you make your living <laughs> do helping people through that journey. It's so common, right? especially amongst men Mm. it's and you said it in the very beginning you said when you start training the martial arts jiu-jitsu you realize that you're not as good right you said as you thought you were yeah and what people also say is that when you start jiu-jitsu you realize as you start to learn you realize how little you really know because for example when you when in the beginning you think you i'm ready to fight And then you learn one technique and you say, oh my gosh, there is so much that I don't know. Now, when you're exposed to how much you don't know, again, here you are, you're at the fork in the road. Looking to the right, there are so many situations that I don't have answers to. Looking to the left, I can continue. It's like the matrix, (laughs) the two pills. Yeah, the red pill and the blue pill, yeah. Continue living in a world where I just, you know, like you said, go to Starbucks, get up in the morning, Starbucks, go back home, I sleep in the basement. You can continue in that world or you can say, you know what, I don't know what's down that path right there. But if there's one thing I do know is that I'm capable. If there's one thing I do know is that the information is out there to help me through all of these unknown moments. So yes, we make a living out of showing people how little they know when it comes to personal protection. But then immediately after we show them what they don't know, we give them a solution. And that's what you said is addicting. And now the person says, wow, never in my life. I didn't even know 
that being in this position was bad. But now I know it's bad. And I know that if I get there, I have an answer. Mm-hmm. And that, that small example can apply to anything in the world, anything that you want to involve yourself with. You start, you, you involve yourself with something, you start working on something, and you say, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing. If you put in the work, it's only a matter of time before you say, oh, I understand this. And understanding it, then, there's a, then that builds the confidence. There and that go. confidence is what allows us, that confidence is what I believe people People need. We, we're having. It's a really hard time right now in the world. There's so much uncertainty. People are very afraid. It's a very scary time in the world. Matter of fact, it's always a scary time in the world. Not right now. Even eight years ago, it was a scary time. People are always struggling with something. So find something that you're uncomfortable with, that you're unfamiliar with, and go become familiar and build confidence and then see what happens. Would you say with the students you've had over the years, you've noticed that the confidence they develop training in jujitsu is actually translating into other areas of their life as well? Yes, I have had people tell me, man, I've had, there's no doubt, 100% it has rolled over into their everyday lives. In terms of simple answer is just being more observant, not being in such a rush to do anything. Just wait a little bit. Give it a moment, even in how you respond to someone, right? When someone in uh, one of your loved ones says something to you that is somewhat, you know, four years before might have gotten a, a rise out of you. Now you, when they respond, give a moment. The same way you give a moment when you land in a position that is unfamiliar to you, give a moment to analyze the position before responding or overreacting hopefully you're responding you're not overreacting so the same goes for in everyday life whether it's a business um, encounter or a personal family encounter when something happens take a breath i've heard that a fair amount of times and i've had so much gratitude it could be someone who's a doctor it could be someone who's an attorney it doesn't matter what line of work somebody is in they they're extremely grateful for the lessons that they have learned in jiu-jitsu, the principles that they have learned in jiu-jitsu, and how they're applying those lessons and principles to all different kinds of situations that the world throws at them. So there you go. If you're having a hard time overcoming your fear of getting started, if you're stuck in analysis paralysis and you just want to analyze everything and not take action, the answer might be not in real estate. It might be finding something else like jujitsu that might actually give you some of the tools that you need to take on the world of real estate or the world of entrepreneurialism or just tackling your own personal debt that's crushing you right now. Um, I think a lot of people just stare at that mountain and they go, I'll never get over it as opposed to, Hey, maybe I could take a path over to this side, build up some skills. And then that mountain doesn't seem so harsh. So for, for people that are hearing this and they're thinking, Hey, I want to check this out. And I'm glad that I'm not going to get thrown into the lion's den. There's actually teachers that are going to walk me through this. Uh, where can they get more information about what you guys provide? Thank you for asking that. And I just can keep, I'm just, I'm almost asking the question for people who would like to experience a little bit of discomfort and then right after be given the solution that helps take away that discomfort. 
Where can you go? And the answer is Gracie University. Uh, our headquarters is here in Torrance, California, in Los Angeles. And we also have GracieUniversity.com, as I mentioned earlier, which is our online platform, as well as we have, you know, hundreds of hundred and maybe 160 plus certified training centers. So we have schools around the world that are teaching the same programs that we teach and the same teaching methodology, the same care that we take for a new student when they walk in the building, how we treat that new student, we teach that to all of our schools around the world. So they would be happy to receive anybody and to have an intro class with them. So graceuniversity.com is where you can find a list of those schools and also find our headquarters here in Torrance, California. That is awesome. And to people who still say, I don't like discomfort, okay? If you're just stuck there, I want to ask you this question. Does food taste best when you're full or when you're hungry? When you go through discomfort and someone puts you in a position that does not feel good, all of a sudden you're hungry for the answers that you need. (laughs) My brother tells a story about how he hated to eat beets. But then one day he got to the table and there was only beets out, but he was starving. So he ate the beets and the beets served the purpose and the food and the beets became, now he loves beets. <laughs> so hundred percent food tastes better when you're hungry. Yes. And I think a lot of human beings operate better when they're coming from a place of hunger. So if discomfort causes hunger, it's okay. That's some good medicine for you. Okay. We don't want you to starve. So don't worry about being overwhelmed by discomfort to where you just want to run away and hide, right? That starving's bad, but hunger is Good. So thank you, Heron. I really just, I love your mind, man. I love hearing how you look at things. I love hearing the approach to stuff you've had. I love that you've gone through a crucible of fire to become as good as you are at what you do. And you don't selfishly just take that and look down at other people. You want to share that experience with everybody else. And you're very humble with the way you do it. So I'm just appreciative that people like you exist in the world that we can all learn from. Thank you so much. I feel very honored. You know, my grandfather and his brother, my father, my uncle, so many Gracies, so many people in my family has have, I guess the arrow has been thrown. I, I use the analogy that someone threw the arrow, my grandfather, Eddie Gracie and his brother. And then so many people in my family are just doing everything to continue to push that arrow forward. And that arrow is sharing that which has done so much for our family and that what which we see do so much for so many other families, right? You know, men, women, and children all around the world. So thank you for allowing me to explain what it is that we do. And hopefully I'll share the mat with you one day. I would love to be doing some jujitsu with you. When the time allows, we can share a mat together and just go deeper into the principles and the techniques of jujitsu, as well as anybody else out there who wants to learn jujitsu, we're here for you. I would love that, man. And from the law enforcement community, I also just want to say thank you very much for the, um, frankly, the benevolence that you show that community, the passion you guys have for helping police officers be better, control people much more safely, uh, reducing the use of force that's causing such a division in our, in our country right now between law enforcement and the citizens that we have. I've, uh, that was where I first came across you and your brother Henner was, I was a defensive tactics instructor as a police officer. And, uh, I loved every single thing that you guys stood for. So got it. We are going to move into the last portion of our show here. We call it the famous four, where I'm going to ask you a couple questions just to get to know you a little bit better, Mm -hmm. dive deeper into your mind. First one is, what is something that you are currently working on that you're passionate about right now? Um, What I'm passionate about right now is identifying the things 
that I identify with. There are things that I can sometimes feel a, a sense of superiority and you know specialness because I have these things. And for example, I haven't told anybody this, but I drove a Tesla for five years. But I started feeling that when I would drive my Tesla, there was this sense of like, yeah. I would pull up next to a car that wasn't a Tesla. Mm -hmm. And I noticed myself feeling like, yeah, look at my car. Just in my mind, it was so yep. small. And then I said, oh my gosh, I can't. I was feeling greater than other people. Mm -hmm. I was judging myself based on my Tesla. And I am not better because I have a Tesla. I am fortunate that I have a life that allowed me to get a Tesla. So then I got rid of it. Mm -hmm. And now I don't drive a Tesla anymore. So it, it's been very, very enjoyable noticing the things that I look at. And I say, wow, look at what I have. Like my wife, for example, there's the extreme, like my wife is beautiful. And she, I'm so proud of my wife. It's my property. So now there's this feeling of like, hey, if she wants to travel for three weeks to, you know, who knows where to be with her friends on a trip, there's this like, okay, you go and do it. I don't need you here always around me. I need to let go of these things that I'm, that I have somewhat built my identity around, which is very scary because a huge identity of mine is jujitsu. Mm. So what that means is I'm going to have to stop doing jujitsu, which is crazy. And I'm not going to stop forever, but I have to, I'm going to release jujitsu at some phase of my life. I have to release it so that I can come to terms that I am not jujitsu and I am way mm -hmm. beyond it. You're creating discomfort in your yes. own life to be a better version of you. And it's, I'm, it's funny to hear you say that thought about you would never actually say to somebody, I have a Tesla, but just the thought in the back of your mind that you could see this weakness starting to creep in and you knew you have to cut it off right there. I struggle with that all the time. It's one of the reasons I drive a Camry. I, I don't like the way I feel when I drive a nice car and, and music can do that to me. Sometimes certain music can just create yeah. this like wavelength in my brain where I start thinking I'm cool. And then I just lose myself. It's like you just get caught up in this wave that takes you. And so that's great advice for people to listen to that little voice because I think a lot of really bad decisions get made from the wave carrying you so far that you couldn't stop yourself where if you'd have stopped it in the beginning. I think that the Tesla is not a problem. But believing that I am without the Tesla, I am less. Yes, I'm less. That's yeah. where I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah. If, if I, Let me check this. I need to test this. So I need to get rid of it and now see how I feel. And okay, yep. I feel okay. I'm still me. Now, if I get a Tesla again one day, who knows? But the mm -hmm. point is that I don't need a Tesla to be, to exist, to be me. I can, uh, I can drive a, a car that everybody drives. Mm -hmm. like Everyone that. drives Tesla these days. The though, right? Tesla <laughs> test. Test the Tesla. Yeah. That's good. Okay, next question. Do you have a favorite business book or maybe just a favorite personal development book? Uh, right now, I'm very much enjoying, which I think it is a business book, business communication. I'm really enjoying nonviolent communication. I've been listening to it a lot, nonviolent communication. And I would say, yeah, that's, that's my favorite book right now. Because what's my favorite book is my favorite book in the moment. Who wrote nonviolent communication? 
Um, I think it's Marshall Marshall Rosenberg. Marshall something. Okay. Word on the street is that you don't own a TV. Is that true? I, I did not own a TV for many years because my children, um, I didn't want them watching TV. Mm-hmm. Marshall Rosenberg, Nirvana Communication. There it is. So I, my ki- I didn't want my kids watching TV because I felt like they needed to just find a way to be creative and kind of mm-hmm. self-soothe and entertain themselves. And I had to read them books a lot. I, want, I was never really a big book reader. I, it's, I started more like I have like seven or eight books that I'm cycling through right now on Audible. No TV. But I would say about a year ago when COVID, I, six months before oh, yeah. COVID, I got a TV. Six months before COVID, someone gifted me their used TV. So now I'm back on it. The kids watch TV on the weekends. It's very rare they don't watch anything on a weekday. Okay. Outside of jujitsu, what are some of your hobbies? The ocean. Mm. I like cold plunging. I like riding bikes. Man, I like hiking. I like going mm-hmm. for walks. I like outdoors. I love the outdoors. Uh, I w- the thing is, I enjoy everything. I enjoy mm-hmm. playing soccer with friends on the beach. So when you say hobby, I feel like you're asking for something that I do somewhat regularly. And for me, that would be, yeah, that would be, you know, riding bicycles. Or I enjoy yoga. I do mm-hmm. yoga kundalini yoga on the beach and i like cold plunging and more than ever i'm enjoying having the uncomfortable conversations with my wife Mm. it's becoming somewhat of something that i'm not running away from i turned off all social media january 4th or 5th i erased all the apps on my phone they're still there you can still find me but I stopped posting. I stopped looking at everything because I really want to have the conversations around difficult feelings and emotions that I realized a year ago, I might have like, man, come on. I don't want to hear this. So I'm enjoying the, the discomforts, like I said, that come up, the arguments, the emotions and the big feelings. Even though they're still difficult, I'm, I'm almost making it a hobby to learn to navigate and sit with these difficult conversations. It sounds like what you're saying is you're taking jujitsu principles and you're bringing them into the emotions of, <laughs> of a combative conversation where people can hurt each other very easily. And you're trying to learn how do I take the desire, like to take this hurt coming at me and gently control it. Right? Yes. It's so tough, right? It, it, most men that I know, they're not really trying to get into the big emotional conversations. Yeah. They're just like, come on, whatever we can do to uh-huh. get over this. Uh-huh. But, but the thing is, why don't I want to have the difficult conversations? What am I running from? What am I hiding? What is it about my wife saying X, Y, and Z that makes me feel uncomfortable? Is it something that happened in my childhood about how I was raised? Is it my beliefs as to who I am as a man? Who knows? There's all kinds of weird things that are happening and my wife is really good about making me uncomfortable. But then again, is she making me uncomfortable? No, she's not or making she me uncomfortable. Your lack of tools in that area. Yes, yeah. she is the stimulus, <laughs> right? She and that's what the book explains. She's the stimulus to my discomfort and my pain and my 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 sadness. She's not the cause. We might have to talk about that more as you get better at this, because I'd say 
I think almost every man I know, including me, is a white belt when it comes to having these conversations. Less than a white belt, like a clear belt, whatever that would be. Don't even have a belt. And uh, that's a big struggle of mine. So I'm glad you're venturing in there first here on. Thank you. Yes. Once you get to the top, throw down a rope and then show me how to get there, too. I'll let you know when I get my blue belt. <laughs> All right. When it comes to those who succeed in your academies, what sets apart those successful people from those who give up, fail, or never get started? What separates the successful from the rest of the people on the mat? So someone who figures out sooner than later that the answers to the, the problems, the situations, the challenges are inside of them. Mm. Someone who gives themselves permission to look within themselves to find the answers, to look at all of their past experiences and all of their tools and their whole their arsenal of information and techniques to say, you know what, I'm going to solve this. Someone who takes ownership of their jujitsu is going to do great. They're going to soar. They're going to be around for a long time. That you have to Use your instructors, use your teachers, use your resources. But there comes a point where you've had enough help from the outside world. And now go figure it out. Go put everything that you've learned, put it to the test, put it together and apply it. So that right there combined with with an understanding that we are not here on the mat in jujitsu to win right now and to be good today and to submit somebody, to arm bar somebody and have a good role today. We're doing jujitsu because we want to be around the energy, the energy of good people, of people working together, helping each other. We want to be around, we want to be around the energy of problem solving people. We want to be around, we want to practice applying these principles and these techniques on the mat so that one day when we're put to the test in life, we can call on these principles or techniques. So people often quit because they're thinking short-term gratification. They want to have a good training session that day and they want to break a sweat and they want to do two moves successfully. But those that realize that jujitsu can be with you for the rest of your life, and that it can be a, a tool that, like we've mentioned in many times, can help you in many areas of life, they stay with it. Now, how they stay with it will change. When you hit a certain age, you may not be able to do jiu-jitsu how you did when you were 27 years old. And that's okay. You're modifying how you do jiu-jitsu. You could be 79 years old and you can walk on the mat and just be in the conversations and be in the discussions and just talk about the technique and leave. Mm. And that's, that's so much different than the 79-year-old who hasn't done anything physical or challenged himself mentally or physically since he was 44, since mm -hmm. he started having bad shoulders. So I have no doubt if my grandfather could be on the mat until he was 96, anybody can. So let go of this idea of having to beat everybody up and just have fun and at the same time, ask yourself the question, challenge yourself, become the, the scientist. And when you become the scientist, you'll be on the mat forever. Did you hear that, Bigger Pockets? There were so many good nuggets in there. First off, 
quit looking for somebody else to be responsible for directing and guiding your success. The forums are a place where you can use as a resource to get answers to questions. And Brandon and I are people that can help direct you, but your success is on you. I'd say 100% the agents that join my real estate team, if they show up thinking it's David's job to turn me into a black belt, they never make it. If they come in here saying, I need to be a great realtor and they're hungry, man, the food I give them nourishes them and and they take off. And then I also love that you said that jujitsu changes as your body changes, just like wealth building changes as you grow. When you're yes. some 22 year old kid, you may be out there knocking on everybody's door and asking if they want to sell their house. And when you get older and you're kind of set, you can be lending money to other people or educating people and, and building a network and a community that you make your wealth out of instead of you being the hustler out there doing it. So just that flexibility of the mind that it is okay to do it differently than you did it before or differently than what you see other people doing is literally how your grandfather Elio developed jujitsu. It's okay to do something different than what I've seen everyone do. So man, I love talking to you. All right. Last question of the day. You've, we normally ask where can people find out more about you, but you've already told us graceuniversity.com is the best place to go. What about a course that you are working on right now that you think people should check out? So for those who have zero experience in jujitsu, we, GracieUniversity.com has so much for you, for, for entry-level students. We just recorded a course, and it's not available yet. It will be available soon, but you can check out OneCommune.com. And there's a very interesting course that we just recorded. It's 10 Lessons, and it should be available in the next couple months on OneCommune.com. It's, it's a very special course because... It is 100% strike punching free. There's no punches. We don't talk about punching and we don't talk about arm bars and submissions. It is strictly a survival course, 10 lessons on survival. And if any one of you was going to get in a fight in 10 days and you had to prepare for this fight, we would teach you these 10 lessons. Hmm. That is how we created the course that's what we had in mind as we were creating the course so maybe some of you will enjoy that course when the time comes and we do the same thing here at bigger pockets we're always thinking about how do we reach these people how do we get these ones that are feeling this feeling or struggling with this thing or having this problem so i'm going to start telling people that uh that bigger pockets is the bjj of real estate actually i probably won't say that but i just want everyone listening to hear it all right, my man. Thank you very much. We went a little over time and I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your patience with us and sharing your resources. Any last words before we get out of here? No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me and I look forward to seeing you in the mat. All right. Thank you, brother. All the best. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? 
The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.